Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome into this week's edition of The Walkthrough. I am your host, intern Joe Machika. South Carolina killed Vanderbilt at home at Williams-Brice Stadium in a wet and rainy one over there at Willie B. By a final score of 47-6, to it was an offensive explosion for the Gamecocks. Dowell Loggins, Spencer Rattler and company dominated Vandy's defense. Went up and down the field yesterday um, for a dominating victory continuing South Carolina's track towards bowl eligibility. They are up to four wins. Now they have two wins remaining to get and two weeks left in the season. Um, obviously you have Kentucky and Clemson upcoming for the Gamecocks to seal bowl eligibility in the final two weeks of the year. Both of those games being at home. We will talk about that. I have a really good guest this week. None other than Mike Yuva. We will get to him in a second, but first, I want to talk to you guys about who this show is brought to you by. And as always, first off is our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. Tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for your refund. Call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. They are fast, accurate, and guaranteed. If, On the other hand, if you think you might be on Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax. Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you locally owned and operated staff by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal, make an appointment, or just walk in, give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803 462 Five five seven six for all of your tax needs. And this show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage Network. You can find him above us for those of you watching above us on all of our Gamecock Central Live programming and any of our GC recorded content. So um, give our guy Clint a call of the Movement Mortgage Network. Uh, he's the man. Give him a call 803 once again, 803-771-6933. He's helped our very own Wes Mitchell and former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth with their mortgages. So give our guy Clint a call. He's the man. So getting into it, um, finally able to introduce my guest. It is none other than Mr. Mike Yuva. Mike helps me out. on. Or I, I, I help him out, I should say, on, on the talk Tuesdays and the GC Live postgame show. If you missed that last night, go check that out live on YouTube, live on all podcast platforms, but Mike, bright and early this morning, how are we doing? We're doing well, Joe. We're doing well. I mean, anytime you can get a win, right? doesn't matter who you're playing. You get a win, and as you mentioned, that's that's four wins now in South Carolina for the first time this year. only took until midway through November, but they can say now they've won games in back-to-back weeks, so you'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, it was a wet and rainy one over at Williams Bryce yesterday. It was ugly weather wise, ugly score wise as well. But Mike, you were over there, kind of just offer me your initial thoughts of the game yesterday. Yeah, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is that it was the most complete game we've seen from South Carolina. Now, certainly they can clean things up in all three phases. The offensive explosion didn't really start to happen until the second half. I mean, you look at that score. It was a really low-scoring game. Defensively, they played out of their minds. First time and shoot, I think it's about five years, four years since they shut out a team through the first three quarters. You got to go back to 2019 against Kentucky. So, you know, look, defensively, they needed this game. If I asked you earlier in the week, and I know we talked about this yeah. on the post-game show, if I asked you what do you want to see from the defense this week? Right. Just any average schlub. Uh, we're just sitting down at the bar or at the grocery store, or whatever. What do you want to see from the defense? You would have laid out your your goals, your expectations. They achieved practically everything anyone could have hoped for. So, again, they did exactly what you would have hoped them to, to do. And on top of that, they were able to gain some much, some much needed confidence. And talking to people close with the program, they all said the same thing. Man, we really needed that from a confidence standpoint for the defense. And then give credit to the special teams. They've been sloppy the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. They've had opportunities to get some block kicks. You know that operation time was going to be a little slower yesterday because of the weather. And at some point, you're like, man, they're going to get a block today. They're going to get a block, and they did that. And Keen Nelson was able to scoop it up and bring it back for a touchdown. So those two things, not to take anything away from the offense because it speaks for itself. But, man, I was really, really pleased to see those two units in particular start to gain some confidence during a stretch where they really need it if they want to become bowl eligible. Two tough games coming up. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I'm glad you brought up both those two phases because, you know, you're right. I mean, offense had been clicking coming into this game, not as well as they, you know, could have been. But, I mean, they were still clicking with some – you know, momentum coming into this one. It was defense and special teams, special teams especially that had really been struggling, I mean, defensively as well. But uh, there was a little bit of momentum generated coming into this one. Um, Yeah, I I agree. Defensively, you allowed um, less than 150 yards on each side for passing and rushing for Vanderbilt, I think is a big win. They looked good in the 3-3-5. And and the linebackers stepped up. Um, Scar brought it up yesterday in the postgame show. Bam Martin Scott. Um, very big piece um, to this win. Um, but again, we, we will get to all of the defensive guys and breaking all that down. But, um, you know, Mike, we appreciate your initial thoughts. But getting into it a little bit, I'll, we'll start with the offense because, again, we, we said that, you know, it, it was pretty much business as usual for the offense. Another big day from Spencer Rattler. The running game, you know, could have been better, wasn't bad, well, also wasn't great. It was that big, long run from Mario that really, you know, solidified it. But, uh, definitely could have been better, but Mike, just offer me your uh, your initial thoughts of how the offense played yesterday. I, I, I thought early on the weather certainly impacted some of the things they were trying to do. I was a little surprised with seeing how much passing they did. I didn't yeah. know if the, they had the uh, special forecast and they were expecting some some heavy rain in the second half and they were just trying to get all their passing out of the way in the first half. But I, I thought Spencer, for the most part, the weather really didn't impact him whatsoever, right? Again, something else we talked in the post-game show. If you didn't watch the game and you just looked at the box score, you would have thought, okay, this is just another typical Spencer Rattler performance. The interception, I don't think the weather really impacted that. I just think that was an errant throw, trying to make something happen and force that one a little bit. But outside of that, you know, I, I thought he looked good. The drops early on, 
some of the guys too, and I've said this before, take the freaking gloves off. Take the gloves off in the rain, especially when you're playing yeah. on grass. It's one thing when you're playing on turf. It, it doesn't – it's not the exact same. The ball gets a little bit drier when you're playing on turf. It, it's not as difficult in comparison to with the grass. So I say that because take the freaking gloves off and uh, just make the plays. So a couple too many drops. Guys trying to use their body a little bit. You could tell that they looked a little uncomfortable. Nicholas Harbour tried to do that early on because, again, trying to probably compensate for the, the rain. So I thought once they got into the second half, they were able to get things going. I know Mario Anderson eclipsed the 100-yard mark, but that stat is a little misleading when you look at the number of rushing yards from South Carolina yesterday because outside of that 70-plus-yard run for Mario, when USC wanted to run the football, they weren't able to. And we talked about this last week against Jacksonville State. They didn't necessarily need it, right, because of the job that Spencer Rattler did, did last week through the year, did some great things through the year yesterday. But when they wanted to run the football, when they wanted to run the football outside of that long run, which inflates the statistics, they weren't able to get that constant push. They weren't able to get the constant success. And knowing that Juju McDowell is done for the year now, knowing that that to carry on Joyner, even if he does come back, at some point this year, you don't know how much you're going to be able to get out of him. You don't know how healthy he's going to be. You have a situation where you have another, you have, you have a transfer running back in there. Mario Anderson has been doing a great job, but he's probably going to have to get spelled by a true freshman in DJ Braswell, who, oh, by the way, he only has one game left that he can play in without burning his red shirt. So it, it looks like he's going to have to burn his red shirt at this point. Does DJ Twitty, does he get bumped up to the number three spot? There's going to be a lot of movement, but regardless of what that running back room looks like, they need to be able to find a way to run the football these next couple of weeks if they want to be able to find a way to beat Kentucky and beat Clemson in two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you, I mean, you have Bradley Dunn. Bradley Dunn got a couple carries too, but Bradley Dunn's a fullback. Like that, yeah. he's he's not really a, a running back. Uh, so yeah, my really good, you know, um thoughts there because again, you know, you are already short at running back, and then with Juju out, that really, really puts you in handcuffs, um, as well as DK um being out as well. So that'll be something to watch. Um uh, for me offensively, I think you know, obviously Spencer had a good game, 28 of 36, 351 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Um, the pick kind of just being a dumb decision, but Really good game from Spencer, and then obviously a very big game from Lenore Sellers coming in when the game is out of hand, um, having a rushing touchdown. I mean, quickly on Lenore Sellers, I mean, that kid is very, very, very freakishly athletic and, and athletically gifted as well. And I think we're seeing a lot of that when he gets in at these, uh, you know, moments in the end of the game and stuff like that, just kind of how you know, gifted he is athletically, size-wise, and just speed-wise, too. I mean, breaking the tackler yesterday and then couldn't quite stay on his feet as he was making the turn past the student section. He'll, he'll have to work <laughs> on that a little bit as he's making the turn. But, um, no, big game um, for, for Lenoris. Um, you know, good, proud of him and happy for him to be able to come in and, and execute like he has um, in, in previous years. But, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff if you're South Carolina's offense. Yeah, and I think, too, look, I get people wanted to see certain packages with Lenoris this season. I thought that that was a possibility, but at the same time, too, you got to look at what's the what's in the best interest of the program as well. And is that kid ready to be able to do certain things on top of the fact that you're taking Spencer off the field, yep. right? I mean, you have arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and Spencer has proven that, and there's obviously been a lot of issues 
with multiple areas on that offense, the musical chairs that they've had to play on the offensive line. There's a lot of things that Spencer has had to do as Dal Loggins has called him before. He's like spaghetti sauce. He's able to cover everything up. What people need to remember is Lenoris can still be great, but at the same time too, right now, there might be a little, it might be a little too much on his plate to ask him to do X, Y, Z. And what I mean by that is because of all these other issues that South Carolina's offense has had to deal with, and you don't want to lose a kid's confidence early on. And I, as I said yesterday in the postgame show, they're four and six. Throwing Lenoris out there for a couple packages, right, four or five plays a game, that's not going to have made the difference of South Carolina being, you know, six and four right now. It's just not. They had other issues. We all know that. So the good thing is if he does play out the rest of the year, which I expect him to, especially considering the fact that, as we mentioned, short yarded situations in the red zone, you don't have to carry on Joyner right now. We'll have to wait and see if DK's back in the lineup next week, but it adds another wrinkle to your offense. And the big thing too is not to get too carried away with looking at the future, that quarterback room next year. I mean, my goodness, we mentioned Luke Doty before and how, you know, he'll be back, but let's say they want to keep him at wide receiver. And there's a possibility some guys transfer out. You could be looking at a, a quarterback room where it's really Lenore Sellers and Dante Reno. So I really think we'll get into this more on Tuesday, Joe, because, again, we'll see what happens with Tanner Bailey if he decides to stay, if he goes. You could be really looking at a situation where South Carolina doesn't have a choice but to go out and find a quarterback in the portal. And does that quarterback want to come here and be a backup? So I say this because Lenore is having opportunities these next couple weeks it's going to give him experience. It's going to give him some knowledge that can help him down the road. But you're trying to find that fine line of getting him that experience by also not taking out your best player, your leader, in Spencer Rattler. So it's it's tough. I mean, look look at what's going on at Clemson right now. They have a very good quarterback, but you know he was thrust into the to the role a little quicker. And I'm not saying that would be the exact thing that happens to sellers. I'll get friggin' booed and all that crap for just speaking the reality of it. But you could be looking at a really young quarterback room next year. So any opportunity you can get sellers out there is great. But the big question is how much of this coaching staff trust him to do, you know, a couple other things that we're seeing against not just the garbage time touchdowns, which was a phenomenal play yesterday. Yeah. But if he does get thrust into a role where he's going up against some of the starters early in the game, I'd love that. I'd love to see it. But now you're just trying to pick, you know, pick your spots of when you take Rattler off, especially now, like I said, the difference now compared to the regular season or earlier in the season is you can play him now and you're not going to burn a redshirt year. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see, obviously, the quarterback battle next season. Um, but also just kind of how things play out the rest of this year. I mean, if you have another chance to see Lenoris again, um, like Mike also said too, you're not necessarily going to burn the red shirt year, so you could work in a couple packages with him. But, I mean, ultimately, for me at least, I don't think South Carolina would do that just because, you know, if Lenoris is the future, you don't want to get him hurt doing something wonky in a, in a year where, you know, you might not even end up eligible. Uh, so that is the Lenoris talk. Um, and then quickly before we hit on the defense, I did want to shout out the wide receiving core. Yeah. Uh, very, very big day for Xavier Leggett again. Um, you know, continuing his run of form and then Josh Simon as well. Um, big day for the tight end. 
um, you know, he's starting to, to, to pick up on some things and look a lot better and a lot, you know, smoother out there. Um, it seems as if the game is slowing down, but Mike quickly, before we get to the defense, break down what you saw for, uh, or from the, the pass catchers for South Carolina. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Joshua Simon. I'm kicking myself for not mentioning him more yesterday in our post game yeah. show because he was great and it wasn't just his pass catching ability, six for 65 yards. He's been physical with blocking and with mm -hmm. the fact that you had Trey Knox out, right? Shane yeah. mentioned on yeah, Thursday yeah. that Knox was going to play, but as we alluded to in post game on the post game show, Beamer talked about it. We re relayed on the post game show because of the weather and him coming back from that hamstring injury, they wanted to kind of wait and see if they needed to use him instead of just throwing him out there. And fortunately, because of the way the game went, they didn't need to use him. So they were able to rest him up a little bit. But because of that, it, it, it required other guys to have to step up. And I thought Josh started to play like the Josh that we have expected him to be after seeing clips out of fall camp. And not all of that, obviously, is on him. Some of that has to do with the fact that USC has been trying to find ways to make up for some of the holes they had on the offensive line because of injuries and some of the lack of protection early on in the year. But having said all that, it was awesome to see. You can see why this guy – why there's so much hype around this guy when he was coming in here. He can yeah. make plays with the ball in his hand. He can make things happen as a blocker. He's a physical guy. And again, talking about finding confidence, that is another person, right? That is another person. There's a couple guys. We could throw A.B. in there as well. There's a couple mm -hmm. guys yesterday that were able to gain some confidence, and you're trying to find it at the right time. Certainly, we would have loved to have seen it earlier in the year, but we don't have a time machine. So let's not dwell on that. Let's not go back. Just like Sellers, oh, man, they should have played him. It's over with, okay? You got two regular season games to go. Smile on the fact that you have guys getting hot at the right time, including a guy like Joshua Simons, because you need him. You need him to be able to do some good things if you want to be able to become bowl eligible. Yeah, absolutely. And Simon, too, uh, you know, is – you're starting to see he's picking up more of a leadership role off the field as well. And guys mm -hmm. are looking to him, especially I'm glad you brought up Trey Knox being out because he's kind of been thrust into that role and Trey Knox and Josh Simon are kind of like yin and yang, you know, immediate days. Uh, Simon was kind of messing with Trey in one of his interviews and, and vice versa. So they're very, very, very close. Um, both really, really talented. And Simon, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like has eligibility left and is going to be a, a force in the, the tight end room going forward. Right. Yeah, and yeah. listen to this. Listen to this quote, Joe, too. I just saw this on the Insiders Forum. So any yeah. of our Gamecock Central subscribers, you may have seen this. But if not, this is actually something he said. Or maybe he caught the post-game show. But this is a quote that someone shared. Josh Simon after the game, quote, I don't try to run around you or make no move. I just want to run you over. I mean, that's... And, and that's the mentality that this team really needs over these next couple of weeks. It's, you know, you can't run around Kentucky. And this is, you know, more so figure, figure of speech. Like yeah. you can't try to dodge what's going to be coming up at you. Just like you couldn't dodge over the last two weeks. You need to just run freaking through these teams. Again, mm -hmm. right? You want to go from point A to, we keep saying point C, if you want to further down the alphabet because there's, there's four games. If you want to become bowl eligible – you have to go through all four of these teams. They've gone through the first two. Yep. And, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit these wins because a win's a win and we celebrate wins, right? Yep. We're happy when they win. I don't care who they're playing. But having said that, 
you'd be naive not to say, okay, competition is going to start to pick up, right? Kentucky. Yep. Um, certainly Kentucky's been getting, you know, whooped these last couple of weeks, but they're playing some good competition. You don't know what Kentucky team is going to come into town. On top of that, you got you got Clemson in two weeks, and Clemson's starting to find their their strive ever since Tyler from Spartanburg gave the call in. But we'll worry about Clemson a week from now. But that's just you know again confidence, confidence, knowing that you have to run through these teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know we at least from from the media side of things, I know we were after hearing about all of the good weeks in practice. You were kind of wondering when you know, things were going to catch up for this team, right? Because usually when you're stringing good weeks of practice together like that, you're not losing a lot of games in a row um, like like the South Carolina team was. Um, so now they're starting to put things together um, at the right time. Cockvember um, is coming together. But again, Kentucky's a real opponent um, who, you know, they've got a really talented quarterback in Devin Leary. Um, and we can, we can call this our little Kentucky preview before we, you know, talk about the defense and then also put on our optimism shades, talk about the MVPs real quick before we get Mike out of here. I know he's got the Patriots to watch over in Germany bright and early this morning, but uh, yeah, I'm not I mean, in Germany just for the record. Cause there'll be, yes, there'll be Mike someone that says Germany, over yes. in Germany. I'm not over the pond. That would have been a hell of a, uh, that would have been crazy. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, so Kentucky obviously has transferred quarterback out of NC state, Devin Leary. Um, they just got killed by Bama, um, this past week. Um, and they're, you know, coming off of kind of a iffy slash meh run of form. I mean, haven't been great. They started the year off looking like world beaters and then played, started playing some good teams and then kind of their season got derailed. BBN big blue nation is on to basketball season already, but, um, Kentucky rolls into Williams Bryce next week. Um, 7.30 kick, Darude is back. Mike, I guess walk me through what you're seeing from Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, look, this was a team heading into the year that a lot of people had high expectations for. And I say, like, people, I'm talking about at SEC Media Days. And certainly that's why they call it Media Days when it comes to these projections, right? I mean, you're predicting things. South Carolina certainly in the first two years under Shane Beamer, they smashed what those expectations were from a wins-loss standpoint. But Kentucky was that team that some people felt were, were going to be able to take that next step. I was still hesitant just because with Will Levis leaving, I thought they were a team that you know maybe uh, could finish third, maybe ahead of South Carolina. South Carolina finished fourth in the conference. But um, you know, obviously a lot has happened, right? You got Missouri playing well this season. Tennessee, I know they lost last night, but Tennessee's still right ahead of Kentucky. Um, and then, you know, throw everyone else in there, Florida, South Carolina, Vandy. This is a team, as you mentioned, Joe, and you look at the schedule early on, right? Start the year off 5-0. and Well, those five wins, Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vandy, and then they beat Florida. And Florida has not been world beaters. I mean, Florida's 5-5. Five and five. They're a team that could easily be 4-6 and six if South Carolina makes one more play a couple weeks ago. So I bring that up because then they played Georgia, then they played Missouri, then they played Tennessee, then they had Mississippi State, they beat Mississippi State, who of South Carolina also beat, and then they had Alabama. So in their last five games, they're one in four. And when you look at that schedule, they've played some pretty good teams during that stretch. So the reason why I mentioned you don't know what Kentucky you're going to get in, in here, yep. it's kind of like Florida in a sense when Florida was coming in here, you didn't know which Florida team you were going to get. 
I think this Kentucky team is a little bit better than Florida, but that doesn't mean that South Carolina can't beat them. Because, again, they've played some good competition. When they've played good competition, they've come up flat. When they've played some crappy competition, they've done well. And as we know, South Carolina, they're kind of they're kind of in the middle of that. And I think some people would even say they're probably closer towards the back end of that. So I, I think, again, Gamecocks, they did some good things over these last two weeks. We're not going to be naive and say they beat world beaters, but they're starting to do things that they haven't been able to do all season. And when you're able to physically be able to do it, regardless of who you're playing, like we saw last year, right? They needed a confidence booster early on in the season. South Carolina State, Charlotte, those two games served that. Mm -hmm. So when they went to Kentucky, they were able to pull off the upset. I think it surprised some people. And then they were able to do some other things too, despite the fact of playing some crap football down the stretch by being able to bounce back, beating Tennessee and being able to beat Clemson. So I bring those things up, Joe, because I don't know what Kentucky team we're going to get in here. This is not going to be a cakewalk. Um, I'm interested to see (coughs) what Vegas sets the line at, honestly, because this to me, if you tell me that Kentucky's favored by three and a half, or South Carolina is favored by, you know, two and a half, three and a half, or it's truly a pick em. Nothing is going to surprise me. And if I'm gambling, I'm staying the hell away from this game because I just don't know which two teams are going to show up. Yeah, it's giving me vibes of the Florida game earlier this season, you know, because Florida was on a similar track, you know, not sure which Florida team is going to show up playing bad on the road. Um, kind of thing. So similar vibes, but I also, I mean, having watched a little bit of Kentucky just kind of earlier this year and, and in passing and just kind of scouting them a little bit, I have been saying this all year. I don't think they're, they are that good. I think they're fakers. I don't, you know, think they are as solid of an SEC opponent as they are built out to be. So we will see, obviously, like I said, led by, led um, by Devin Leary and of course, of coach, or of course their, their coach, um but uh yeah so we will see again 7 30 kick on that one um at williams bryce stadium darude will be back um the guy who you know started or made sandstorm so that that should be pretty electric so i um, ran i ran into i ran into someone that works at usc last night and they informed me and some of this is already out there but just to give people an idea darude's going to be doing a concert before the gamecock walk he'll be inside I mean, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say some of the other part, but he will be involved heavily uh, in the pregame festivities. Uh, could be coming out of a certain little cockaboose, um, which, again, I don't think that's going to be a surprise to people, but no. probably piss someone off. But uh, but then then I think he's right out of there. So he's not going to be – because I was trying to trying to figure out, like, is he going to have his own little DJ booth? And get, I don't think that's the case. I think he's going to be doing yeah. the – you know, being the celebrity starter, and I think he's going to get the hell out of there. So, you know, Press the button. just to give people an idea, there there were talks, there were talks about him performing Friday night in five points. One bar backed out, and then another bar had an opportunity to do it, but I don't think they've picked it up. So there could be, there could be, just for the, the college kids or anyone that wants to go out there, uh, Daru could be performing at one of the bars around town. So if we get information for that, we'll put that out there because I'm sure for some Gamecock fans, regardless, young, old, some people would be like, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, the guy that created Sandstorm's in here and he's going to be DJing and everything. So if that's your cup of tea, we'll get that out there for you guys later in the week. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And we, yeah, we'll, we will keep you guys posted on that. Um, really quickly before we close the show with some optimism, obviously, um, with, with some sunglasses, uh, Mike, just kind of uh, give me your quick MVPs of the game yesterday and also some guys that you're looking forward um, for a big week next week. Shoot. Well, you know, I mentioned I mentioned we mentioned Xavier Leggett. We mentioned Josh Simon. We mentioned Spencer Rattler. But from a defensive standpoint, one guy that really stood out to both of us and we talked about some of the things that he was able to do from a defensive standpoint, he continues to get more playing time at linebacker, a position that USC desperately, desperately needs to continue to get fresher legs since it's, you know, they've, they've been playing a lot of snaps this year between Debo and um, Stone Bland, was Martin Scott. Uh, bam, Martin Scott was out of his friggin' mind yesterday. 13 tackles, 7 solo, had a sack in there as well. He was all over the place. And when you look at what, again, what South Carolina's defense has had to do this year, he's a guy that has been here for a while. And just like we've talked about with some of the other guys, whether it be Juju McDowell, whether it be a Luke Doty, there's other guys that have played in front of him that are younger. And yet he hasn't complained. He continues to go to work. He continues to work his tail off. And yesterday he played out of his mind, absolutely out of his mind, a senior that you need down this stretch. And, I think the most impressive part about it all to me is the fact that he was able to go out there and help a unit, help a unit that truly set the tone yesterday. The defense set the tone yesterday. Oh yeah. We haven't been able to say that all year. We haven't been able to say that in a long time for South Carolina football. Very true. They set the tone yesterday. I mean, Boogie Huntley, he did some good things. There were some good plays that OD Fortune made. A lot of those defensive guys played well yesterday. A lot of them did some good things. They were able to play zone, though. That's another thing. Again, talking to people that are close with the program, they knew going into the game that they were going to play, be able to play more zone. So Kentucky, they're probably not going to let you play as much zone. So that's going to be interesting to look at. But um, at least for this week, the defense is flying around. And I really like with the play right in the middle of it all with Bam. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, I'm glad Scar brought that up because he was kind of a guy that I'd, I'd forgotten about um, throughout that postgame show. And then Scar put it in the comments or, or in, our, in our little chat talking about Bam Martin Scott before we close things out and had to get to it. Huge game from Bam. Mike, you brought up my MVP um, a little bit earlier, Alex Huntley. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Alex Huntley's my MVP. Fantastic game from him. Catching the touchdown pass is huge. Um, and then also to just being able to be disruptive along with Tonka up front. Um, you know, they, they got pressure on the quarterback. They forced a couple fumbles. And, I mean, it was a little bit later in the game, but they, they were able to get the turnovers um, like they were supposed to. Um, you know, it, it took them the first half to see, like, okay, are they going to, you know, continue this turnover trend? But, they, you know, they forced a couple last week and were able to kind of carry it into this one as well. So that'll be something to look forward to for Kentucky. Are they going to be able to generate turnovers? If they're not, I think it could be a long day. But, again, getting to, we'll get to that um, a little bit later this week. But, yeah, Alex only big day from him, obviously catching the touchdown pass. It's always fun when, when a big guy, fat guy touchdown happens um, <laughs> back-to-back weeks for South Carolina with a big, big guy, guy touchdown. touchdown. So, we live in this PC world now. Big guy, even yep, though the fact that touchdown. comic yep, comes absolutely. from the movie replacement from John Madden. Just want to make sure. Yep. You know, we'll yeah, get someone yeah. upset just like that movie, Old Dads and 
you know, someone's going to get all upset. So yeah. just want to make sure we cover our bases. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So again, happy for Boogie. Um, you know, it, I think, you know, he's starting to come in to, uh, you know, a little bit of uh run of form here um, in these last couple of weeks. Cause he's, he's struggled a little points, had ups, downs. I know he's had, a, he was double getting double teamed Georgia, like stuff like that, having trouble with all that. So, Happy for Boogie because, you know, he's really finding his stride. And then, when, I mean, when Boogie's playing well, everyone seems to be playing well on the defensive front. Good guy for morale to have playing well as well. Um, so that is our MVPs. Now into my favorite segment of the show, um, last segment of the show as well. Obviously, you need to lead things off um, with, you know, some optimism, some some good vibes. So, Mike, I mean, looking ahead – Without using your unbiased journalism hat um, and your reporter hat, give me some things that are going right for South Carolina. What are some good things to look forward to if you're a South oh. Carolina fan, despite them struggling coming into this one? It's tough because you're trying to look at it in a in a way where it's like, okay, some of the things they did this past week, and it's just one game, right? Yep. So I can sit here and say, at least for one game, special teams – outside of a miss PAT and you know the first one was a high snap because of the weather but outside of those things special teams did a lot of good things yesterday probably their best performance of the season quite frankly yeah uh, no bonehead penalties they were able to capitalize off the block punt um certainly there was some missed blocking assignments early on too on returns but all in all I thought they did a pretty good job I think to me, and we can mention defense in there as well, I think to me it's that you continue to have Xavier Leggett doing good things, but you have other players around him that are starting to get involved a little bit too. And you need that because Kentucky, they're not dumb. Clemson, they're not dumb. They know that you you want to beat them by going to Leggett. And no one has really been able to do it this year when he's been healthy. I think Georgia, I mean, he got banged up a little bit that game, and Juice, of course, played that game too. But my point being is teams are going to start to find – they're going to try to do everything they can to just take him away from you and basically say, hey, you want to beat us? You have to go to your other wide receivers. Nicholas Harbor continues to get more involved with the offense. Yep. Um, again, he had that drop early on, but he made some nice catches after that. And – AB did some good things yesterday too. Josh Simon, as you mentioned. So I, I think to me, it's the fact that you have these wide receivers stepping up. And as we mentioned before, with not knowing what to carry on Joiner's status is, at least as of right now, Shane Beamer will talk later this evening. But the passing game might have to step up just a little bit more because you might have to throw it a little bit more. It'd be great to get the run game going. But even if you are, you need to be able to have some fresh legs in there, which you don't really have with all these injuries going on. So that's what that's what's making me feel a little good is taking the things that we saw yesterday, Joe. Yeah. And trying to say, OK, but again, it's just one game. So it's really tough to say, oh, yeah, problem solved on defense, problem solved on special teams. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think defensively, you're seeing a little bit more like offensively yesterday. It was more of they just executed a little bit better, kind of trying to do the same thing and just, 
that they've been trying to do all year and just executed a little bit better. But I think defensively yesterday you saw them switch up some things that they were doing and then also have success in the stuff that they switched up. So I think that's a big thing going forward because, again, like I think the defense had just kind of been going through the year just trying to, you know, fire away at the same stuff and, like, it just wasn't working and they couldn't find their way around it. So now Clayton White's changing things up. He's having success. That's one thing for me. And then also, too, I mean, obviously all the young guys that are performing and performing well should excite you. I, you know, you hate to say, oh, there's always next year, but the way that South Carolina's recruiting class and, and young guys are shaping out to be right now, I think that should excite anybody um, associated with this program after the Dale Norris Sellers had yesterday. Uh, Tree and Tro have both been playing well. Um, DQ Smith had another good game. Jalon Kilgore. Uh, a lot of guys stepping up and playing well, a lot of young guys stepping up and playing well. So there's a future for that. And then uh, like, you know, ultimately for like this season, optimism shades for this season, they're playing good football right now. The morale is high. I don't think they have lost the morale or lost the locker room yet. Um, and, you know, they, they, they keep winning so far. So good. Um, no. And Joe, we talked about this too. We talked about this too. Marcus Lattimore was in the building on Thursday. I think I'm trying to remember if he was back. I think he was back in the building on Friday, but he told me on Thursday back in that building and in comparison to when he was working with the team towards the end of the must champ era, yep. the difference was he felt energy in that building. That was very similar to when he was a player during that 2010 to 2013 stretch. He was there until 2012, but hearing him say that during a time period where USC is what three and six going into yesterday. And he said that it felt more like death when you were in that building a couple of years prior, when he was back in there working, it speaks everything that you just said with that energy, with that energy, which is massive. And it just goes to show how bought in these guys really are. Because as we mentioned yesterday, and this happens, and maybe you catch a break with Kentucky this weekend, simply for the fact that they already have their six wins. So they're going bowling, but some teams when, you know, the crap hits the fan towards the end of the year, and I've been part of teams like this. We said this with Scar yesterday. Scar said he's been part of teams like this. There's some guys, there's some teams that instantly check out, and there's there's nothing more demoralizing than that. When you're in a building and guys just don't want to be there, that's not the case right now with South Carolina. That hasn't been the case even when they were 2-6. and six. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as we conclude the show, take off the optimism glasses, come back down to earth. Um, you know, it, always a good segment to kind of look at some of the bright side because when they were struggling a little bit, you needed to look at the bright side a little bit, give give the fan base some hope. So that will wrap up the optimism glasses and we'll also do everything for us here at the walkthrough. Thank you for tuning in. As always, Mike, thank you for joining me. You can catch us on GC Live, talking Tuesday nights, and then also the Gamecock Central Live post-game show. And then Jack and I, Jack Veltri and I, also are now doing the Hard Foul, the weekly basketball show. Um, we are doing it. We, we made the decision not to do it live. We're going to do it in podcast form. That way we can get some really good guests. This week, I believe we have Chris Wellbaum um, to do our women's basketball breakdown, breakdown Don Staley and everything that they have going on. So, should be a lot of fun, but um, again, thank you guys for tuning in to this week's edition of The Walkthrough. I'm your host, Intern Joe, as always, joined by Mike Yuva. <clears throat> thank you guys for tuning in, and have a good Sunday. Have a good week. 
Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.